Welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Well, hello there. I do appreciate you taking time out of your day to download this podcast and to listen to us. I know there's many other options, and so many of us are really busy that you've downloaded it, and I certainly am honored and blessed that you've done so. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to grab it and follow along, because I think that is very important that you have a Bible and and do that, and open your Bible to uh, Obadiah, Obadiah, and we'll be there in just a moment. I just want to reach out to our regular listeners and remind them that we do have a prayer request page, and if you're new, obviously you could check that out too on our webpage. And you know, we really need to be praying for the persecuted church around the world, including those who are persecuted for believing in, in the true gospel here in the United States. In the podcast, you know, we we I pray each and every day for the persecuted church, and I am uh, thankful that I'm able to to be able to do that. And so hopefully you've had enough time now to grab your Bible or open up your Bible app and turn to Obadiah. Edom was a uh, really proud of its accomplishments. But in the long run, God would bring Edom down. Whether they are a nation, a business, a church, or a family, those in positions of authority uh, should not be overly uh, self-assured. Obadiah is one of the shortest books in the Bible. I believe it is the shortest, next to Jude. It is titled, The Vision of Obadiah, as it uh, prophesies the judgment to the fall of the nation of Edom. And the Edomites were descendants of, of Esau which really made them related to uh, the children of Israel. And you can read about all that in in Genesis chapters 25, 26, and 27. And so I'm not going to read those three chapters today, but I would encourage you to go and do that. And I'd give you a little bit uh, of background of uh, Edom. So here in verse 3, Edom was the southern neighbor uh, of Judah. Its capital was Petra which was the city uh, cut into the cliff of a solid rock. It was considered, nobody could penetrate it due to the only way to it was through a very narrow canyon. And the Edomites, they were pretty proud how secure they felt in their city. Their self-sufficiency, their wealth, their allies, and their wisdom. But this would cause them really to bring them all uh, down. Because in the end, they only fooled themselves. You know, this really has uh, a ring to it, uh, even in our modern day time. I really believe so many of these prophets, especially uh, the Old Testament, history just continuously repeats itself. One, because we don't learn from our history and our past mistakes. We... uh, we seem to forget a lot of times what even happened to us last week. 
but those that have favorable opinions of themselves are adept to think that others appreciate them as well. But really, I think in the end, they're all just really mistaken. God can make low those who have amplified and lifted up themselves. I mean, the Apostle Paul would tell the church in Corinth that they really shouldn't be all puffed up, you know, having their chest stuck way out. I recall years ago as a kid, we used to say, uh, you want a chest or a metal to pin it on? You know, that type of idea. What Edom says is, is really pride in their heart. Talks with their own, very own, certain quality. And, and they had a hatred of, of God's decisions, as though uh, the intensity of the Almighty could not overwhelm them. You know, we, we kind of have that same idea going on in our culture and society today, that God would never punish us or destroy us or uh, allow communism to, to overtake us, uh, allow the church to be uh, completely uh, removed, the lampstand. And those are dangerous thoughts uh, to say that God would never do those things. You know, if you look at the seven churches of Revelation, you would see uh, and study those. We've talked about those quite a bit in, in years past, but God removed the lampstand. You know, there's, there's no churches, uh, congregations in those areas. They're all under Muslim occupation or control. And so we've got to be careful and respect God's Word, His, His desires, uh, His law, for all of us, especially those in the church who claim to be Christian. Jeremiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16 say this, Now I will make you small among the nations, despised by mankind. The terror you inspire and the pride of your heart have deceived you, you who live in the cleft of the rock who occupy the heights of the hill. Though you build your nest high as the eagles, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. You know, the judgment is on Edom. And it was about to see God's justice. You know, to anyone that believes, uh, who shall bring me down? I mean, God's reply really is, I will. Just like the, the way the nation of Edom and, and the city of Petra fell, people with pride in their hearts will fall. Humility is a much more uh, secure than the heart of pride. In Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19, the six things that, that the God hates, and he says, oh yes, yeah, seven, you know, an abomination unto him. A proud look, lying tongues, a hand that sheds innocent blood, a heart that's wicked imaginations, feet that are swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and those who sow discord among the brother. What was the first one? Pride. Pride was the first fall. In Job chapter 39, verses 26 through 30, 
Does a hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and builds its nest on high? Verse 28. It dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is its stronghold. From there it looks for food. Its eyes detect from afar. Its young ones feast on blood and where the slain are. There it is. You know, Isaiah chapter 14 also talks about pride. Many Christians have pride in their race, uh, pride in their faith, uh, in their social standing. They have pride uh, of grace and proud of being saved. But there's nothing wrong with, with rejoicing that you have been saved from the fires of hell. Salvation should not make us proud. It is a free gift, and it's offered to everyone, not just an elite few or a select few. It is offered to everyone who wants to partake in that. Of course, that is a free choice. And grace is given to those who are humble. Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, here's Jesus talking. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me. I am meek and lonely in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. You know, there's a lot of scriptures regarding pride in it and throughout the Old and New Testament alike. And I'm going to just read a few here. Most of them are in Proverbs. So if you are following along, want to turn there, you can. Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Chapter 16, verse 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is ambition to the Lord. Through hands joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Proverbs 16, 18. Uh, pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before the fall. Chapter 26, see how a man's wise in his own, in his own conceit, there's more hope of a fool than of him. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble spirit. Jeremiah, my favorite uh, Old Testament book. Thus saith the Lord. This is chapter 9, verse 23 of Jeremiah. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. So much of our society, even within the church, I, I witnessed over the years uh, from the pulpit, those who, who have money, they... They really take pride in that God has really blessed them with all this money. And everybody else who's poor must be living a horrible, sinful life because God has not rewarded them. That is a dangerous teaching in belief and practice. You know, I don't know how many times I've watched over the years being outside of the pulpit, just sitting in, in the pews or listening to other people talk about uh, their little congregations around the country, how... The one who gives the most money gets to dictate what the preacher says and talks and does about. You know, that's 
I don't know, is that pride? Telling a preacher he can't preach against moral issues because that rich person is so involved in, in moral problems. Doesn't want to hear about the sin and repent. Doesn't want to hear what God really has to say. And that's just the trouble with everything. I know when I get certain uh, podcasts out that talk about sin and stop living certain lifestyles, those get a lot few less listens than when I, and I label one with love and happy and joy and peace. Uh, the numbers of uh, listening is unbelievably high. And it just tells me where people really are at. You know, Jesus talked more about hell and destruction than he talked about heaven and peace. Oh, he talked about both, but he also did not stop. You know, this is uh, talking about the destruction of the soul, going to hell. and So many of the prophets, I think every one of them, you know, said, thus saith the Lord, and talked about you're not listening to God. You're, you're living your prideful, destructive life. You're worshiping all the wrong things. You're honoring all the wrong things. You're doing all this for show. And yet, at the end, they said, well, I'll show you, prophet. And they were almost, every one of them was murdered, martyred, whatever word you want to use. James chapter 4, the brother of uh, uh, Jesus, but he gives more grace. Wherefore, he said, God restrained the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. The Apostle John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of this world. You know, as Christians in the church, what, what are we really trying to be part of? Are we trying to be part of the world? Are we trying to be part of the kingdom of God? You know, we are living here, obviously, on this planet. But our goal, what is it? To make the earth and the worldly people around us like us and love us and respect us. And, you know, we all want those type of things to be respected. But at the end of the day... Where is the treasure laid? Is it here on earth where it can rust and be destroyed, or is it in heaven where neither it can be stolen from you, it can't be destroyed, and it can't rust or rot away? When, when we try to run our lives, we put ourselves really in the place of God. How many of us try and, and to run my my own life without having God in control, without having God leading the way. You know, again, I don't believe it matters whether we're a nation, a business, a, a congregation, a family, those in a position of authority. We all need to be careful that we're not overly self-assured. You know, trying to run our lives. I said it a moment ago, we put ourselves in the place of God. We say, well, when I'm going to take care of my own life, my own world, my own business, and I don't need you, God. That's what we really are saying. And we put God behind this 
thing that says break glass only in case of emergency. Is that really what God really wants? Is that how God sees love? How many parents out there that listen say, well, only time I hear from my children and grandchildren is when they want something. But when I need help or ride to a doctor or I need somebody to go to the store for me because I can't get out due to the weather or my health and nobody comes to help. See, there's pride. And pride is a sin and it's really a fatal sin. We don't want pride to control us. Now, I know somebody's going to say, well, preacher, uh, you know, I'm proud of my grandkids. Well, okay, that's fine. Uh, I don't necessarily say that's wrong to have that kind of pride. But what are we really, where's our heart when we say those words? You know, are we teaching our children to do the right things and to obey God and go to church and say, well, it's their decision. I'm not going to force them to go to services or I'm not going to force them to learn about God. They have to learn those things on their own. And, you know, we, we see so much of that, especially here in America. Children are undisciplined they, as a whole. Uh, they, they're not told that they can, uh, they can go to the games, they can go to concerts, they can go to the bar, movies, whatever. Uh, but we don't say, hey, what about God? Where's God in, in the life? And I think as parents, sometimes we, we want to get along easier than we want to discipline and encourage and point the child the right direction. I mean, the same could be said for preachers in the pulpit trying to lead their congregations, church staff, whatever. Oh, what are you really trying to do? Are you really wanting the message of God to be out there? Are you really truly following the Scripture as it's been laid out? Or are we following in traditions of men and what I think is right and what you think is wrong does, you know, type thing? We must recognize when pride tries to set in and, and tries to push us out the back door away from God, we need to, when we start seeing a prideful heart, we need to pray to God and, and ask God to help us and defend us from this proud heart that is not what God has in mind and the kind of heart that we may have. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3 says, If a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You know, at the end of the day, on Judgment Day, it's really not going to matter if you were uh, the king, a president, a congressman, or somebody who hauled out the trash as a servant, swept floors, mopped floors, ran a machine. Uh, supervisors won't matter. Because standing in front of God Almighty... Those things are immaterial. And I'm not sure that God's really going to care on Judgment Day when you say, well, I was the head of the church. I gave more money than anybody else. I, I, I. And see, there's no God in those words. 
Without God, there is no grace. There is no forgiveness. There is no shedding of blood. The gospel message is gone. Uh, there is no baptism. And when we start realizing that it's all about God, and our focus needs to be on God, then pride will leave. God will bless us with a humble spirit. I mean, start reading the, uh, the Beatitudes, as we call them, you know. How many blessings are there if we would have that? And it's hard. We're trapped in flesh that uh, desires things of the world, and there is this constant battle that goes on. The only way to win the battle is to know the Word of God. Truly know the Word of God. You know how many people I've come across here over the years that just they, they pick up on a teaching that it's just so far off somewhere that you think, how did they get that? Well, they heard it from somebody. I don't know that they would have come to their own conclusion on that by themselves. You know, Jesus would say, you're going to be judged by his words. I find it extremely important to know God and his word and not somebody else's word. And I grant you, I mean, I understand it. Everybody might have a different interpretation on those words and thoughts, processes. And you may be right. But again, what happens if you're not? I take it very serious what I say on this podcast because I know hundreds and hundreds of people are listening to this podcast. And I, I certainly don't want them to be deceived that it's part of my prayer life is to, to present a godly, biblical, foundational podcast. And that's why I always encourage you to read your Bible, to study your Bible, and to follow along with your Bible. I wouldn't take anything for granted from another person might say. So many people are blinded by their own personal denominationalism, uh, by worldly things, whatever. And we, we are blind when we're doing those things to the true message of the Word of God. I don't know how many things I could tell you over the years. I've studied and read the Bible and think, okay. But I always thought it was this when in fact it was just a teaching of a man and his interpretation. He has a right to that. I believe God has given him that right. But there's also an accountability for those who teach and preach to know the truth and teach the absolute truth. So many teachings today are like premillennialism. Uh, that's a really new teaching in church history, and I've done several podcasts on that. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of those. The, the early church, I mean, you read the church fathers and church history in the first, second, third centuries, first two to three hundred years, they don't know a lot of those things. They're, they're not even talking about them. They, they do understand speaking in tongues. They, don't, they know what it is, but nobody by the second, third century, is speaking in tongues. Why is that? And why all of a sudden, in the last 50 to 100 years, and especially in the United States, everybody wants to speak in tongues. And you have Pat Boone, a very famous uh, singer uh, in his generation, who said it, he used to practice how to speak in tongues. Well, I don't remember 
any of the apostles saying they had a practice. And so there's just lots of things that it takes time and it takes desires to really study and know what God's Word is. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 16, Be the same mind toward one another. Mind, not high things, but conceded to the man of low estate. Be not wise on your own conscience. So, be wise on the Word and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm a true believer that if you study the Word of God, if you were on a a deserted island, no radio, no television, no podcast, no newspapers, and the only thing that you found on this this island was fresh water, a food source, and a Bible, believe you would have enough time, because God has provided you with the basic essentials of life, to know how to get to know Him and how to find salvation in Him. God's not a complicated God when it comes to salvation and obeying His Word. It's, it's laid out pretty simple. It's mankind that uh, complicates things. Again, I want to thank you for listening. I know this is some of the shorter podcasts that I've done in, in recent time. Uh, as you can tell by my voice, I've really been uh, struggling with... Uh, some serious allergies of some sort. And so I'm going to let you go for now. I appreciate you listening. Make sure to please hit that like button and follow us. That way you get an alert each time we release our weekly podcast. May God bless you, and may He always have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast or prayer request? We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you, and may He have the glory.